0: back to the cox talks podcast we're back we're back a little late a little delayed as has been the uh the uh the scheduling for the course of the summer but hey you guys are all sticking around you're all still listening that's great thank you for your patience i always thank you for your patience um there's always more great material on the horizon It's just a matter of if I can get there or not. Okay? So, yeah. So, again, welcome back to the Cox Talks Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Trevor Cox. And uh, got a little bit of time here in the big white Peterbilt. Hauling some corn out to Western Ontario here. So, if you notice that the audio isn't exactly the greatest... Well, that would be because I am broadcasting live on my Blue Parrot headset. The number one choice for Peterbilt drivers. Actually, I don't even know if that's true or not. Most Peterbilt drivers would tell you, we don't wear headsets. We fucking smoke darts and talk on the phone like real fucking men. Well, we slam Jack Daniels and wear untied work boots in our Peterbilts, which is also a lie because... Nobody wears their shoes in their Peterbilts or their Kenworth W900s or or their Western Star 4900s. So I don't know if that makes me a real trucker or not because, listen, I don't got fucking time to take my boots off, okay? If the wheels aren't turning, you ain't earning. And the last time I checked, a clean cab doesn't pay bills. Listen, my cab is quite clean. I like to try and keep it clean, but i just not one of those guys. Okay, I got a rubber floor in the 378, and I got a rubber floor for a fucking reason, all right? So I can just hit her with the goddamn garden hose if need be. I've never actually done that. Calm down out there, super truckers. I usually sweep and or vacuum it out, okay? So anyways, back to the task at hand here. Questions, comments, concerns, dilemma, please reach out to me at the Cox Talks Podcast on Instagram. Bear with me there folks. Sometimes if you haven't messaged to me before, sometimes it goes into the message request box and if I sometimes I just don't always see them. And sometimes it just takes me a while to get back to you. But if you do have uh something you want to talk about, something you want to ask me something whatever, get a hold of me there. You can get a hold of me uh on Facebook. You can track me down on Facebook, Trevor Cox on Facebook. I believe um Val Kilmer as Doc Holiday is my profile picture. And of course, I can be found on Twitter at Trevor Dofsky. And some of you fine listeners out there are uh, privileged enough to have my personal cell phone number or my personal email. You guys can always reach me there, of course. So today's episode, um listen, I got some stuff to talk about. A couple of days ago, I threw it out on Instagram there that if you asked me some questions, I would pick a few of them and answer them uh on the podcast so we're going to do that. I got a little bit of a pet peeve uh that I want to fucking get off my chest. And yeah. Yeah. So listen, um let's start with the pet peeve because it's kind of fresh on my mind here, okay? So in Ontario here, we have uh we have fall fairs. So every fall, you know, they usually most of the fairs, some of the fairs uh, our midsummer there is a one or two spring fairs around but it's most common to have a fall fair so these fall fairs usually start you know the end of the end of august the first of september okay and what you see at these fall fairs is everything from cow shows tractor pulls demolition fucking derbies fucking cutest baby shows ugliest insect there's always like a um a crop competition you know, take your corn silage corn in or take your fucking soybeans or your wheat, take it in and it gets judged and you get a ribbon and it's fucking seven dollars in the mail and whatever, right? There's the Ferris wheel of midway, blah, 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 blah. But I'll tell you what is fucking one of the most prevalent goddamn things at the, at the fall fair. And that's you fucking losers out there wearing pointy toe cowboy boots with tapered jeans. Jesus Christ. Figure it out. There is absolutely no possible fucking way you can think that actually looks good. Before you leave your house with your tapered fucking jeans and your pointy-toe cowboy boots, take a look in the goddamn mirror and you're going to fucking notice. You're going to fucking notice that you look like a goddamn leprechaun. All right? Fellas, I've told you this once. I'm going to tell you this again. Internet shopping is so goddamn easy. You can buy Ariat and maybe even fucking Wrangler jeans at Peavy Mart, for fuck's sakes. Okay? Spend the money. Buy a pair of fucking cinch jeans. Buy a pair of Ariat jeans. Hang on a second, folks. I saw a buddy there. Hey, Hooter, what's going on? Sorry folks, yeah, just uh, just saw my buddy Hooter ripping down the highway there, hauling gravel, hauling gravel. So I gave him a big call out on the fucking CB radio there. Sorry to interrupt. Anyways, um, where were we? Buy your, go on the internet, buy yourself a pair of fucking Cinch jeans, buy yourself a pair of Wranglers, pair of Ariat jeans, fucking resistal jeans, whatever. Buy yourself a proper goddamn fucking pair of jeans to fit over this fucking shaft of your boot. All right. So you don't have to duct tape the fucking shaft of your boot to your leg so your jeans will actually goddamn fit over. Jesus, fellas. Like, I'm just, I'm trying to help you out here, okay? You want to be country? You want to look country? Quit wearing your fucking jeans from Le Chateau or American Eagle with your cowboy boots, all right? You guys can all go out and spend fucking three grand on a lift kit and 2500 on an exhaust and... Fucking five grand on rims and tires and fucking roll coal at every red light and think you're fucking sweet, but then you get out of your truck and you look like a goddamn leprechaun. Jesus Christ, fellas. Just take my advice, would you please? Buy some proper jeans to fit over your cowboy boots. That's all I'm asking. And again, buy some goddamn proper cowboy boots, okay? Pointy-toe cowboy boots are not in fashion. I repeat, pointy-toe cowboy boots are not in fashion. There's only one human being in the world I let away with pointy-toe cowboy boots, and that's my good Italian buddy, Mikey Spatero. Why? Because he's from Pickering. He's Italian. He doesn't know any better, okay? But he tries, all right? He tries, and he's also cheap as fuck. So you guys that claim real fucking square toe or round toe, fucking cowboy boots are too expensive, maybe fucking quit spending some money on your fucking hunk of shit fucking Cummins truck anyways, or your Duramax or whatever it is, and just, you know, maybe look nice for the girls, okay, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you something else, any girl, any girl that climbs into your truck and says that you look really fucking good tonight, babe, I love those boots, and you're wearing pointy-toe cowboy boots with tapered jeans, any girl that says that looks good, brain dead with daddy issues. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. She's brain dead and she's got daddy issues, all right? Which means there's going to be lots of red flags. She's going to be a stage five clinger. She's probably going to trap you with the pregnancy, and at some point, she's going to dye her hair, bleach blonde, and then let it grow out and she's going to have the ugly fucking dark roots with her ble- bleach blonde hair. All right. And you know what? You know what? Those chicks probably wear white frame sunglasses too. All right. Butterfly tattoos on the smaller back for sure. Fellas do better, look better, attract better females. Thank you. Okay. So that is the pet peeve I wanted to get off my chest. That's one's walking around the fair last weekend staring at these guys dressed like that and it just fucking hit oh it's so irritating to me i don't i don't know why but it is and that's the way she fucking goes okay so question time i'm gonna answer your questions i picked three questions all uh very different questions in in their own actually so i picked three and i'm gonna answer them here okay Probably going to be a shorter episode, too, just because I'm driving and I should probably pay attention and fucking, you know how she goes. Anyway, so the first question was uh, sent to me by Luke. I'm sorry, I don't, I can't look it up because I'm driving. I don't remember your full uh, Instagram handle, but it comes to me from Luke. And he asks, you know, in a roundabout way, when and if Canada elects a new prime minister, what are some of the things I would like to see him or her? do to help the ag industry well luke i'm glad you asked the first thing i would like to see done to aid the agricultural industry is get rid of the fucking carbon tax okay at the very least agriculture is a carbon neutral industry and i don't have the facts in front of me but i'm sure if you really sharpen your pencil on that you could find out where farmers are actually are actually uh, carbon positive so why do we have to pay a carbon tax? Why do we have to pay a carbon tax to feed the world? Why is the government trying to cripple farmers with a tax on their fuel, on their inputs, and on their uh, crop drying costs when all we're trying to do is feeding the world? Okay, feed the world. That's the first thing I'd like to see them do. Get rid of the carbon tax, Okay. Second thing, take this uh, fertilizer emissions thing or whatever it is, throw that fucking thing right out the window too. Because farmers, believe it or not, have been trying to uh, reduce fertilizer use for years. Why have we been trying to reduce fertilizer use? Because fertilizer is goddamn well expensive. Okay? And we're all about maximum yield with, The least amount of inputs uh, possible, which means, in the end, that you spend less money, but you make more money. And, fuck, I don't know anybody who doesn't get out of bed in the morning who doesn't try to make more money and save – who doesn't try to save more, yet at the same time make more money, okay? Farmers have been trying to reduce fertilizer use for 25, 30 years through technology through, um fuck, just, just more knowledge of what they're doing, what they're growing, how to grow it, so on and so forth. So take that, throw that out the window. Third thing I would like to see the Prime Minister do is maybe just leave us the fuck alone. And not so much leave the farmers alone. Let the farmers decide what is right and what is wrong For the agriculture industry. I'm sick and tired. And it doesn't even have to be at the government level. It can be at some of these, I'll go down this path. It can be on some of the level of some of these vegans, these activists, these whatever the fuck you want to call them. It's pretty easy to tell a farmer. What's the old saying? I think it was from a United States president. It's like, it's easy to be a farmer when you're 300 miles from a cornfield and your plow is a pencil. Pretty easy to farm that way. I'd say that for sure. But it's also, I'm sick and tired of people that are four, three, four, five generations removed from having any family ties to agriculture telling us how we should do our job, why we should do it their way, and what to expect. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And the other thing I find is agriculture, I'll call them experts because I don't know why, but I'm going to call them experts. These agricultural experts seem to think, you know, that farming is the same in Ontario as it is in BC or Alberta or Quebec. Well, it's not because farming in one county, you've heard me say this before, maybe farming in one county is different than farming in the county that's 10 miles away, which is different than farming in the county that's 40 miles away. It's all, it, it's, Nowhere is farming the same. Farmers farm their own farms differently from field to field. So stop, stop putting this, all these like blanket rules, laws, regulations, ideas forth on us. Okay. Leave the farmers alone. Okay. We were doing quite well feeding the world until the government got involved. Now farms are going broke. Farmers are throwing up their hands. They're too regulated. They have to. They have to institute too many uh, things. I'll call them fuck. I don't know. I'm not in the mood for politics and political shit right now. I've, I've kind of always said that I didn't really want to get political on this podcast, but in a roundabout way, here we are. But question was asked, so here we are. Okay. So those are those are. Three of the biggest things I'd like, get rid of the fertilizer, hoopla, fucking get rid of the carbon tax and leave us alone. Put just, just put some faith in us to keep doing what we're doing. Okay. I think what is it now? It used to be 50% of the world fed the other 50% of the world. Now 2% of the world. Okay. 2% of the world is feeding the other 98%. Okay. And let's, okay, here's another thing that the government can help do led by the Prime Minister. You start giving consumers a little bit of a better education as to what's in their food, how their food is grown, where their food comes from, why their food is grown in a specific way, okay? The whole GMO thing, and again, it's a rabbit hole we could jump into, but I don't really feel like it. The whole GMO thing, you know what GMOs were designed for? GMOs were designed, again, to help us cut our costs as farmers. Well, produce more yields. Why do we need to do that? Because farmland is shrinking every fucking day. And guess what? They don't manufacture farmland. Once it's gone, it's gone forever. Okay? Everybody wants to keep building houses, keep letting immigrants in, keep doing this, keep doing that. And what's, what's at stake? Farmland. Where the fuck are we gonna grow our food to feed the world? That, that is an honest question. Okay? So, Please allow us as farmers to educate the rest of the world, to educate the consumers in a proper way. Consumers can make their own choices as to what, and I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess consumers have the right to make their own choices now, but give them more education so they can make better choices as to what they're going to eat and where they're going to point fingers and so on and so forth. So yeah, so there we go. Okay. Second question was thrown at me by Daryl Knight, a long time listener of the Cox Talks podcast, a proud supporter of the Cox Talks podcast. And let it be known that I did sponsor his uh, little girl's hockey jersey last season. The Cox Talks podcast right across her, uh, the back of her jersey there. Can't remember what number she wore, but I'm quite certain she had a pink helmet. I know that. So the Cox Talks, we give back to the community here. So, Daryl's question was, what is your favorite hockey rink to play in? And what is your favorite hockey rink to watch a game in? Man, Daryl, that's a tough question. I've been in quite a few rinks in my day, both playing, spectating, coaching, so on and so forth. So I really had to think about this. And... And there's, there's so many, especially in Canada, especially in Ontario here, there's so many just great rinks out there. So I would have to say that my favorite arena to watch a game in would be the Eddie Bush Memorial Arena in Collingwood, Ontario. So back in the late 90s, when my brother was playing for the Kuchiching Terriers, and uh, in the OJHL, and the Collingwood Blues had a team. They had a pretty fierce rivalry, and uh, they had some epic, epic fucking playoff battles up there. And uh, that Eddie Bush Memorial Arena, you you know, you walk in at street level, but then the whole arena is just kind of sunk down into the ground with bowl seating. And that place can get – that place – can get quite the ruckus going on in there. There's great hockey fans in Collingwood. They're passionate about their junior hockey team. And uh, that place would just be rocking in there. And there was a little, there was a specific little corner down in the one rink, uh, pardon me, down in in the corner. The one corner, spit it out, fuck. In the one corner of the rink that they called the Dog Pound. And that's a spot as an opposing team's fan or parent you just didn't go into the dog pound, period. I think there's a few pops rolling around down there. A few beverages. Probably some riffraff down in there mixed with Collingwood Blues alumni, so on and so forth. And, yeah, if you were an opposing team fan, you just didn't go down into the dog pound because you weren't – you didn't know if you were going to get out alive, plain and simple. But – uh Lot of history in that building. Just a classically built right on Main Street Collingwood. You wouldn't even know it was there. But it's kinda got like the very front of it's kinda got like the old um almost like a Wrigley field feel to it. Like like it's right on Main Street in the front. You know, it's really old architecture. I don't know when the rink was built exactly. But it's got the old architecture, you know. You walk through the front doors and you 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 walk right out on to the top, the top level of the seating. And uh, yeah, the fans, the fans are right on top. Yeah, as a player. And that's, I'd have to say that's my favorite rink to watch a game in, Daryl. Now, playing, this, this, man, so many rinks, so many rinks are good for playing in. Um, I wasn't, listen, I wasn't much of a hockey player. All right, I could skate. That was one of my strengths. I would hit anything that moved. I could chirp. Okay. And I could go about 65% in the face off circle. Other than that, you know, I'd bang home some garbage goals and a scrap every now and then. Usually, if I was in the box, it was for a sticking infraction, you know, spearing, slashing, butt ending, cross checking, shit like that. I let my stick do the talking for me. Okay. Um, so I had to really sit and think about this. So I always loved. Oh, this is such a hard question. I always loved playing in small arenas. Um, I guess one of my favorite rinks to play in as a junior hockey player was the Lakefield Arena. Small ice, again, super small ice. I don't even know how it's legal that they have a fucking junior team there. Uh, still, to be honest. No wonder that team's always successful because if they play a 42 game schedule, they get 21 games at home. And that fucking rink is so small that you can usually rack out about 18 points, 18 wins out of your 21 games at home. So that's what always keeps Lakefield competitive, but such a small rink, nowhere to hide in that rink. And I wasn't a very big guy either. Still not a very big guy. But again, like I said, I like to play physical. I was like a, a a Steve Ott, if you may. I, I played a lot like Steve Ott. That's yeah, that's a pretty comparable player. I even am told I even actually look like Steve Ott a little bit, just just as in shape too. But loved playing in Lakefield Arena. Uh, I was a hated man in that building by the players, by the coaches, by the fans. Hated man in that arena, and you know what? Uh, the more I was hated, the more I loved it. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say Lakefield was probably my favorite rink to play in. Followed closely by the Little Britain rink. Now Little Britain had great ice, great fucking ice, great fucking snack bar, great atmosphere. Um, just a bunch of you know what? Just a bunch of country farmers, country hillbillies up in Little Britain on a Saturday night, right? And the best part about playing in Little Britain, I always thought was always played against a lot of my buddies that played for Little Britain, but you could go out and you could literally try and murder your buddy because he was playing for Little Britain and y'all ended up at a Country 105 dance in Lindsay somewhere after and just having a time, drinking beers together, laughing about the game. It was always a good time in Little Britain. I loved playing up there. Now, as a men's league player, I gotta say, and this is a biased opinion because, well, not really, I guess I've played Men's League in enough rinks out there, but my favorite rink to play Men's League in would be the fucking Tin Dome in Blackie, Alberta. The Crushed Can. The Tiger's Den, so to speak. So goddamn cold in this arena. So goddamn cold. Great ice, great ice. Again, small barn. So, different little strategy here when you're playing Men's League. Okay? Small barn meant not a lot of skating. And listen, let's call a spade a spade. As you get older, nobody wants to fucking skate in men's league, all right? We're not there for the hockey. Everybody's there to get away from their old lady, get out, have a couple fucking beers with the boys, complain about the old lady, complain about the kids, right? Have a laugh, tell some stories about some old fucking puck bunnies or hood rats or whatever the fuck you want to talk about. Alright, that's what men's league hockey is all about. But I'll tell you this. There was some intense playoff series. Men's league playoff series that I played in that Blackie Arena. In the old Blackie Men's League, you used to play uh you used to play a fucking three out of five in men's league. Best three out of five series in men's league. Get the fuck out of here. It was insane, but got pretty intense, and you know what, that small rink it just kinda had that just had that gritty sandpaper atmosphere to it uh every time i'm back out in alberta i take a i take a drive by the old tin dome there in blackie and big smile comes across my face had some good had some real good times got a couple game ejections in that rink scored a couple goals in that rink drank a million fucking beers in that rink uh special coached a lot of hockey in that rink just um a special special rink to me and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say, as a coach, that's been my most favorite rink to coach in as well because of the atmosphere that that we kind of created when I was coaching out there. You know, it's small town Alberta, so there's not literally nothing else to do. So our Bantam team that I coached used to play Friday nights, and the like the rink would just be packed with parents, aunts, uncles, brothers, sister, grandparents, friends, because they're Literally nothing else to do on a Friday night in Blackie but go to the rink and, and watch the Bantam Tigers play some angry hockey crew, angry hockey games while they fucking roll out to the ice and to, uh, and warm up the fucking DMX. Fuck right. Fucking right. So, so, so intense for Bantam hockey. I just loved it. So, the Blackie Tin Dome, you know, just might be my favorite rink of all time. We'll, we'll leave it at that. And finally, pardon me. The fucking last question of the day is brought to you by Ryan Nagel. Most of you would know him as Hammer. He uh he was a special guest on the Cocksocks podcast for the Fashion Faux pas episode. And he was also helped co-host with Andrew Souter when we discussed the Hot Guys. Hot Guys episode. Um so Hammer asks, what would you rather do, fight a gorilla every morning, but you get a sword, or fight a chicken every time you get in your fucking car? Well, I had to do some thinking here. Like, I get, and I mean, it's a pretty obvious choice, right? You fight the fucking chicken. I don't care if you get a sword with the fucking gorilla or not, because... The gorilla can turn the sword, can turn the sword on you, all right? And I just, like, getting out of bed every morning is hard enough. Imagine getting out of bed, right, and you haven't even had your morning piss yet. And when you get to my age, that's a sit-down morning piss. There's two fucking types of people in this world out there, all right? Guys that are over 30 that sit down to piss and fucking liars. Okay? It's two types of people. Anyways, just imagine getting up and you just, you know what, you've been out playing men's league the night before, you've fucking pounded a bunch of beers, you're a little hungover, and you got to get up and you just got to fucking square up right at the end of your bed with this fucking gorilla. Or maybe he's in a different place every morning. So now you're getting up, right? Now you're getting up. One morning you just got to square up with this old big hairy cock sucker right at the end of your bed and just go a couple rounds with a fucking gorilla or maybe you know you get up you have your piss and you walk downstairs and he's just waiting for you at the bottom of the stairs it's like what a shitty fucking day Oh, uh, what a shitty way to start your fucking day you fight a fucking gorilla every morning it's like oh fuck gotta get to the office by eight gotta get home by four fucking get the kids to hawk oh fuck yeah i forgot fucking steve the gorilla's down there gotta go a couple rounds with him first start the day off and your face is all sore for the rest of the day because the gorilla just fucking throws you a couple combinations and your eyes are black. And, yeah, you've got a sword. Sweet. But you either got to stab the fucker. And I'm not sure you could kill a gorilla by stabbing him with a sword. Like, you got to get him right in the fucking heart. And how easy would it be to stab a gorilla in the heart with a sword? Seriously. Not that fucking easy. I don't think you got to hope you get a couple good slashes in on him. Maybe cut off one of his fucking arms. So then you're fighting a one-armed gorilla, which still isn't a good time, right? They get a slash across his gut, open him up there. But I have this feeling that, like, every gorilla has a fucking six-pack, right? So you're just slashing into muscle. Gorilla muscle, which is, like, fucking super muscle, I think, right? So, no, I don't want to fucking... I'm not... I'm not going toe-to-toe with a gorilla every morning. It's just going to wear you down to start your day. It's going to suck every ounce of confidence you have in you, you have left in you. They're fighting a the fucking... And then you got to listen. While you're fighting them, you got to listen to those stupid fucking gorilla noises while he's just throttling you. <laughs> whack. <laughs> whack. <laughs> whack. <laughs> ah, ah. whack! 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 He's just beating the fucking wheels off you, punching your fucking eyes shut. Just haymakers galore coming from this gorilla. And you can't even get inside on him to give him a couple quick uppies either. You can't do it. Too big, too strong. You're fighting a chicken and listen. You're getting in your car so the chicken's contained, okay? Because chickens, chickens are crafty little fuckers, all right? Also, chickens are going to scratch the fuck out of you. You can take that to the bank. Maybe peck your eyeballs out. But you know what? Get in your car with a pair of fucking safety glasses and, like, one of those, like, uh it's a smock. You know what a smock is? Like a welder's smock. Or just put a fucking jean jacket on when you get in the car so the chicken can't scratch scratch your arms and shit, right? And I'll tell you what. If you get a hold of that chicken, you grab the fucking thing right by the throat and you just fucking speed bag its head. Just rope start that little cocksucker. Will it squawks and fucking box and squeals? And back to the confidence thing. Well, fuck, I don't know. You fucking... (laughs) You beat the shit out of a fucking chicken every morning. That's that's going to be a big confidence boost to start your day. I don't care. Listen, everyone was just a fucking chicken. Who can't beat the shit out of a chicken? You ever try to catch a chicken? Fucking Rocky couldn't catch a chicken. you kidding me? That guy was, like, tougher than a Von Drago. Pretty, basically, tougher than the sun. Right? So... You think If you think fighting a chicken is easy, I have a feeling that you're sadly mistaken. But what I will say is the chicken is contained. It can't get away. If you can keep it from pecking your eyeballs out and scratching the fuck out of you, you just, like I said, you just grab that thing and you can just string it out too, right? So if you're getting scratched, it's just like one forearm that's getting scratched and dealt with there. You just string that fucking chicken out. Hold her out there and just fucking unload on it, right? It's like you're just, oh, God, yeah, what a confidence builder. So that's what I would do. Hammer, that's a good question. Thanks for asking. I'm I'm picking the chicken. I'm getting up every morning. I'm getting ready for work, okay, taking a fucking carry, uh, a gold cup of coffee, and Bailey's in there, and I'm going out to the car, and I'm just going to punch a chicken's eyes shut, little fucker scavenging little pricks. I hate chickens so much. Yeah. So anyways, that, <laughs> that's the end of the, of the Q and a period on the Cox Sox podcast here. And you know what? I hate to say it. That's the end of the fucking podcast too. Like I said, short little podcast. That's okay. That's okay. I think you guys get sick of listening to me after about 40 minutes anyways, and we're at like 34, 35 minutes. So we're going to wrap it up there. Please don't forget, uh, still got some hats available. John boy, uh, the red Peterbilt driver for McGinnis. I hollered at you on the CB radio the other day. I have not forgot about your hat. I have one set aside for you. Okay. And, and Jacob, some, some fucking guy on Instagram keeps messaging me and there's like three Jacobs that follow me and I got him mixed up. I have a, I still have a hat for you too, bud. All right. So, uh. We're, listen, we're going to connect someday. Anybody else looking for a hat, they're $30. You can email me the money if you if you would like a hat, and we will find a way to get the hat to Sounds you. Right. That's not a problem at all. Okay, so, uh yeah. That's it. That's all for the Cox Talks podcast this week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget the most important part of the Cox Talks podcast. Tell your Sounds friends. Good. Tell your fucking friends about the Cox Talks podcast. Listen.